that's the place where we're at right now with NFTs. We don't like spend money in marketing them because you effectively engage the community, kind of market itself, and of course have a great idea. So that's the point that we're at now that you can sort of build up this goodwill with a Web3 community without needing to spend a lot of ad dollars. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this episode, I'm speaking with Avery Akinini, president of Vayner NFT and a leader in the emerging NFT space. Avery breaks down the NFT market, Web3, and the opportunity for consumers and brands to participate in this fast-moving space. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Avery, welcome to our Women on the Move podcast. It is so great to have you on with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here, and I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, let's start with learning a little bit about you. Can you take us through your early career background and some of the more important steps that got you to where you are today? Absolutely. I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and I went to college in California. And my first job, I worked at Target Corporate, which was really interesting and fun. I learned a ton about so many different parts of the retail business and got to spend some time in Minneapolis you know, within, I think like a year or so, I sort of understood that maybe that wasn't going to be my calling. And I had the opportunity to join Google in 2012. You know, this was at the point when Google had recently IPO'd. It was still a relatively new company. Things like the internship had just come out. And I was so excited about working in a company like Google, which was so progressive and so different from what corporate America looked like 10 years ago. I worked across the Google core search product, which at the time was called AdWords, YouTube, hardware products, and DoubleClick, which is a Google acquisition, which is now called Google Marketing Platform. Through my time at DoubleClick, I first got exposed to VaynerMedia and to Gary Vaynerchuk. He came in to do a motivational talk for us on the marketing team, and I was incredibly impressed with how different Gary's perspective was and about his passion around social media. And at the time, I didn't know too much about social media. From an advertising perspective, it wasn't a huge area of focus for Google. So I thought I'm going to learn all about social from the guys who know it best at Vayner. So I joined Vayner in 2018 as a vice president on the media team, and I'd never been agency side before. So it was a totally new experience of learning a different side of the marketing coin. And I learned a lot really quickly, had the opportunity to help build out some teams, and then had the opportunity to actually go and start VaynerMedia's presence in the Asia Pacific region. So I moved to Singapore in 2019 to start VaynerMedia in Singapore. And very quickly, it became obvious that we were going to need regional coverage across APAC. So I then opened our offices in Tokyo and Bangkok and Sydney and Hong Kong, you know, all kind of using Singapore's regional headquarters. The pandemic was happening during this time. And for those listeners who might not be familiar with the pandemic in Asia, it was extremely restricted. You know, it was a very different type of working environment where we were all pretty much remote and working across borders digitally. You know, that was an interesting experience to build a team in that type of a way. Fast forward to end of 2020, I had dinner with Gary. We started to talk about what we thought would be next in the world of Vayner and in the world of marketing. And Gary started to talk about CryptoPunks. He thought something very interesting might be happening in this world of NFTs. At the time, I didn't even know what that meant, what it was. But over the next couple of months, we got increasingly more serious as Gary sort of crystallized his vision around building VFriends, which is his NFT project. 
And in July of 2021, we actually opened up Vayner NFT, which is a Web3 consultancy focused on helping enterprises navigate all things Web3 and NFTs. So still at the very beginning of this journey of Web3, but as I learned so many different things about this new wave of technology, which is really giving me sort of deja vu vibes for how it was with sort of Web2 in San Francisco 10 years ago when I first joined Google. That is great. You've had this front seat toward, as you say, Web 2 from a leader in the space and then now this NFT world. Um, I'm going to get into this in a minute, but I'm curious, you know, when you were really building out the business in Asia and then the pandemic hit, tell us about the challenges that you face in building teams and just expanding a business in a region that, like many other regions, were really hit so hard and you had to do that remotely. Well, we actually had the good fortune to be working with JP Morgan Chase there as a client partner. So I'll disclose that and say that our clients were incredibly amazing and supportive. And in a lot of ways, really our partners in helping navigate this because no one had ever worked in this totally remote environment. So we were really all in it together. And from the most basic fundamental principle, obviously language barriers across these different countries, right? So when you're hiring people in Bangkok, that's very different than hiring people in Tokyo, very different than hiring people in Singapore. Language was definitely a challenge for us, even, you know, things like legal documents, et cetera, like properly translated so that we could understand what we were signing up for in these different countries and register entities. So that was a little bit of a challenge, but one that we were able to overcome by getting a lot of the right key hires in each market. And a lot of that came from network of people that I knew or that other people within the Vayner family knew had worked with in different capacities. Second was the fact that nobody had been working in this all digital environment. So it was really something we were learning with our clients. Third, it really took an emotional toll as well on a lot of our team and a lot of our partners because they are sitting at home a lot of times, particularly in Singapore and a lot of the other sort of Southeast Asian countries, young employees will actually live with their parents. And it's not like they had a separate room that was an office for them. So very crunched in, that took a toll emotionally. And we had to think about ways to engage and surprise and delight our employees, even without being able to sort of be in person together. But the good news was that we found a way to do that. And I think because we were so new and so small, so built differently, we were able to really quickly action on some of these challenges and turn them into opportunities. We would do these like fun team meetings Monday and Friday, have the different teams from different offices talk about their culture, talk about their holidays. And I think it also allowed us to scale out knowledge because, you know, doing things like remote shoots, for those who might not know what I'm talking about when I say a remote shoot, we do a lot of advertising in commercials. So typically when you have a shoot day with a celebrity or something like that, only a few senior people will get to go and attend. But something like a remote shoot, actually you can bring a lot more people remotely to join. And that's a great learning opportunity for them to understand the dynamics of how it is on set and dynamics of making these you know, changes in real time. So that was an excellent opportunity for us to broaden out our educational sort of training opportunities for some of our more junior employees. I think because we're digital native, it came a little bit more naturally to us at Vayner to be doing things like remote shoots, be doing things like virtual parties. So I think we were able to take those challenges and quickly adapt to them. And that did give us an advantage in the market where, you know, a lot of our, our sort of peer set agencies are more traditional than Vayner and had a specific ways of working for decades. So it was harder for them to acclimate to these really dramatic changes. I love that. I just love how you thought about the people aspect of this and really bringing everyone's culture to life. So when you talked about 
taking on this new job, heading Vayner NFT. I'd love to hear about that conversation. So you're sitting down with Gary. Are you saying to him, I'm ready for my next challenge? Or is he saying to you, I'm looking ahead and seeing innovation? How did it really crystallize for both of you that you would take this new job? This is a great example of mobility. So I'm curious how that happens. Yeah. You know, on a personal note, my original job had been set up Vayner Singapore. And I'd set up Vayner Singapore and I'd set up everything else across APAC, you know, created this entity. We were awarded, you know, Southeast Asia Agency of the Year Gold. And it had gone like well beyond sort of our expectations. And I committed to being there for two years. And by the time two years had passed, we were almost 200 people. And so it had gone really well. So it was sort of like, hey, this commitment is coming to a close. For personal reasons, I do want to move back to the United States. You know, Singapore had had its borders closed for almost two years, which was a little bit personally challenging for me because I wasn't used to being so far away from my family, not being able to kind of come and go. There's this multi-week quarantine when you arrive back. You know, I didn't feel like it was going to be sustainable for me on a personal level. What's next? How can I help our business in a new way? I'm sort of taking a lot of the learnings that I've built up over the past couple of years with launching us in APAC. So I kind of came to Gary with that as the challenge. And, you know, for those who are not familiar with Gary, definitely check out Gary V on every single social platform you've ever heard of. Absolutely dominant on social. Gary is an incredibly empathetic leader and he always wants to put his people in the right places. And I think the right place for me was an area where there was really wide open playing field to go do something totally new was going to be the right use of my sort of time and talents versus trying to improve our core business or or add on to that because I knew I was ready to really do something very different. So that's a little bit how the conversation went. We brainstormed together of what that could be. We looked at a couple of different opportunities, everything from launching a new brand to this NFT thing. And over the course of early 2021, we became more and more convicted. We've now brought in that perspective to be Web3, was going to fundamentally change how people access the internet. A year ago, when we were first talking to partners about this, they were like, this sounds really far out. I don't know about this. And it's, you know, a year later, it's a completely different story with every enterprise being really curious about how they can add value to this ecosystem and educate their workforce on what's happening in this world of Web3. So I think we were fortunate and that we timed it really pretty much perfectly. And we've been able to work with some incredible partners already in this short period of time to do some work, which is really innovative and fun. And I think builds us a nice platform to continue learning and iterating and growing. So the NFT space is one of these innovation areas that, as you say, it's booming. It's really being driven, I would say, by a core group. And I'm not sure that core group contains a lot of women right now. And it's definitely key on my mind that women participate in this space, just given what it's likely to lead to in terms of opportunities and wealth creation. So let's take a step back for this audience for you to just explain what are NFTs? Give us the high level of that. You're exactly right that NFTs, right now, the community who's super active is very heavily men, and I'm super passionate about helping to bring women into this space. And what NFTs, non-fungible tokens, represent is really digital asset ownership. Of course, it can be a piece of art, it can be a ticket, it can be a utility, but fundamentally that represents a digital asset that you own that is provable on the blockchain. If you think about time spent on digital mediums over the past decade, it's really gone in one direction, which is just up, up, up. And so many people spend six, 
seven, eight, nine, 10 hours a day on their phone screen time or video conference screen time. If you think about that piece of consumer behavior, it makes sense that you want to start building out, you know, your self-identification in a digital world and having cool things that represent who you are as a person in your digital persona. So the same way I want to have cool earrings or a nice bag or a nice car so people in real life can see how awesome I am, I think we're going to start to see this as well in the digital realms where people are going to want to use NFTs as a format of self-expression and social signaling. But to me, NFTs are important because it represents digital asset ownership that's verifiable via the blockchain. And who can use NFTs? Who do you think NFTs are for? I think NFTs are for everyone. Right now, it's a pretty small community of people who are really active in the NFT world. There's several different blockchains where you can have NFTs, but the most popular is Ethereum. The people who are using NFTs are everyone from fine art collectors, sports card collectors, gamers, people who are into this type of thing, as well as investors. Increasingly, we're seeing institutional investors create funds focused on Web3, funds focused on NFTs, sort of narrowing in on this area specifically. Where I think we're heading is taking this small group who's pretty much focused on the collectability. I would frame the current market up similar like a sports card collecting market. It's a very specific group of people who are really into it and there's a high degree of trading. I think where we're going to see the market go is a much broader So many, many, many more people using NFTs for different things, whether that's to enter an event or to get a discount or to be part of a club, all of this sort of being an NFT that's verifiable on blockchain. So broadening out that market and also reducing the average price point, which right now is really fairly expensive when you compare it to other sort of digital formats. So what you're describing is really moving toward a consumer-facing platform more and more. So people can buy accessories or buy certain things to display, but also for services. And so tell us how a consumer can actually get started with NFTs. What does one have to do to get themselves into this space? Absolutely. Again, there are multiple different chains and each one sort of has different steps. But let me take you through the ways to get your first Ethereum-based NFT, which is sort of the ones that most folks listening to this would have been familiar with, the Bored Ape, the CryptoPunks, the World of Women's. So the first thing you need to do is have cryptocurrency. There are ways to pay for NFTs using credit cards, but the vast majority of people are transacting in Ethereum. So step one is you need to have a crypto exchange. So whether that's something like Coinbase or Binance, you need to actually take fiat currency or US dollars and transfer it into Ethereum. Then you transfer that Ethereum into what's called your digital wallet. And your digital wallet is similar to your physical wallet where you might have money in there and you might have different accessories and things like that. So once it's in your digital wallet, you can actually make a purchase of something that you would like to buy as an NFT. So that could be something like a piece of art. It could be a utility. It could be fan club membership, something like that. You can actually purchase that from your digital wallet, whether you are buying it from the creator themselves, which would mean you're minting it, buying it for the first time, or you can buy it on a secondary marketplace somewhere like Coinbase NFT or OpenSea, where somebody else has already bought it, but you can buy it from that person. And the reason I bring up the ability to buy on the secondary marketplace is that there is a tremendous amount of volume in trading of these NFTs. The creator of the NFT is able to receive a royalty every single time something is purchased by someone else. So I'll give an example of VFriends, which is Gary's project. So Gary sold those NFTs for the first time, minted them last May. And let's just say the price point was one Ethereum. In the past year, that's progressed pretty significantly. So maybe the price point is 10 Ethereum. Every single time someone buys and trades that NFT 
forever in perpetuity, he receives a 10% royalty, which is really amazing if you think about this from a creator standpoint, because if I purchased a piece of art from an artist, I would buy it from them. And then if I sold it in the future, that artist would not receive any percentage of the sale, right? As it sort of progresses. This is a huge fundamental shift from a creator standpoint, because as that creator gets more famous, as their star rises, they continue to benefit via this automatic royalty, which is written into what's called a smart contract. The smart contract is essentially the governance of that NFT, which might have different functions, including things like royalty, which would accrue to the creator. So this is something that has been amazingly life-changing for a lot of creators in the past year, particularly as they've been able to shift into NFTs full-time. And because of the velocity of trading of NFTs, they can actually make this their sort of full-time profession of being an artist and continuing to benefit from these royalties. And from a consumer standpoint, either buying it new or buying an NFT on the secondary market, regardless, it's going to go in your wallet and you can then use that wallet as a format of self-expression. You could link it to your Twitter. Twitter has a new feature where you can actually link in your NFTs to your profile pictures. Meta and Snapchat, Coinbase have announced features that also include very sort of social network type of NFTs that enable other consumers to sort of know, hey, this is what Avery bought. This is what she thinks is cool. Set this as her profile picture, comment, like, share. So tell us about what Vayner NFT actually does for clients. How are you thinking about getting companies into the space, maybe large and small brands? And what do you do to educate them on this and then figure out how to use this to their advantage? Yeah, I think we're really fortunate to have a number of IP owners who are very progressive and look at Vayner as a leader in this space. We've helped, you know, a lot of our client partners 10 years ago, we helped them get their first Facebook pages set up and we told them this is going to be huge. A few years ago, we helped them get their first TikToks and told them this is going to be huge. So now we're telling them, get your wallet set up and get your first NFTs. This is going to be huge. So I think we've really built this reputation as understanding what's coming next. And because of that, we have a number of partners that we've worked with for many, many Many years and have great relationships. And that makes this so fun and trusting. What are the opportunities and challenges of Web3? How did we get here? And then what are the white spaces for individual brands or celebrities or associations where they can do something that meaningfully adds value to their communities or even their shareholders in a way that feels authentic to them? It doesn't you know, feel like that's out of character for who they are as an individual or as an organization. And it's also exciting to a new group of consumers and their sort of current consumer base. Education, creating that authentic community connection, and then building something that's really designed for the long term because I believe that a lot of the things that we see brands doing today are more suited for things like getting headlines, but not really that interesting to consumers. And our opportunity is to think about things that are going to be interesting, not just today, but in the future and building a platform where organizations can continue to deepen what they're doing in Web3, whether we're helping them strategically or in things like activations. It's just so funny to hear you talk about setting up Facebook pages or getting on TikTok. Those seem so quaint now. Now, you mentioned this long-term thinking. And as you counsel clients to think about the long-term, do you still want them to test certain things in the short-term just to get that experience before going into more long-term? How are you thinking about that balance? I think we do a lot of fun collaborations that help people get into the space without needing to commit forever. I think because the blockchain is forever, it's not like a Twitter post that we can delete if we don't like it in three months. 
So even if we're doing something that's meant to be an activation or a charity or an event, we always try to do that in a way that's going to be like looked on positively in posterity, right? So we do a lot of things that are events, activations, collaborations that help these companies enter the space before they go in and launch something themselves. There's a beer brand that's been very much leading the space. They purchased an NFT from Tom Sachs Rocket Factory. Tom Sachs is a contemporary American artist whose work has been shown all over the world. He launched an NFT project. This beer brand actually purchased an NFT, being one of the first Fortune 500s to own an NFT. They changed their profile picture on Twitter. It was their most liked tweet ever. And it then gave them the permission to go ahead and launch several other of their own NFT programs, which have done things that sort of tap into the brand's heritage, tap into the brand's legacy with artists, and tap into the brand's sponsorship assets. And on a completely flip side, I can mention a partner of ours, a paint company, who did a really cool activation at South by Southwest with a leading NFT project, which is called Doodles. It was really the hit of South by Southwest. And this paint company, they have a, a more traditional audience, but they're distributed all over the world in the United States. And it was so surprising and delightful to their own audience really, really successful on social, incredibly successful from an earned media perspective. And now they're going to sort of take that success and parlay that into an NFT launch, which will actually be sort of driving a force for good for their brand. And do you find, or do you anticipate that building that brand there just makes it a lot easier to market in real life, to distribute your products, to tell your message, to really get people to try and use your products in real life? Yeah, I think so. And I think right now we're at this point when there's a lot of earned media potential and there's a lot of interest and demand in the space right now that everyone from Budweiser to Bear Paint, it's another partner of ours that we did a fun collaboration with, they actually are using this as a way to be relevant to their sort of mainstream consumers as they also build up desirability for these Web3 consumers. So I actually think it can do both. And I tell people all the time, it's this very, very early days. It's like you probably remember when you didn't have to spend ad dollars on Facebook. It was just all organic reach. That's the place where we're at right now with NFTs. We don't like spend money in marketing them because you effectively engage the community, it kind of markets itself, and of course, have a great idea. So that's the point that we're at now that you can sort of build up this goodwill with the Web3 community without needing to spend a lot of ad dollars. Let's talk about women in this space a little bit more. I'm curious, what has been your experience as a woman working in NFTs? So I feel incredibly fortunate that I have been supported by everyone from Gary, who's my boss, to my friends who are really interested in this, to my husband, who's actually an investor at a private equity firm. So I've been really supported by my own community and tribe. And I will at the same time say, though, that every group chat I'm in, it's 90% men, with the exception of one, which has been very carefully curated to be a balance of men and women in the space. A lot of these group chats, a lot of these meetups are very heavily men because those are the people that are really interested in investing in these right now. And this challenge, I think, really sparked the interest of two women that I really admire, Britt Morin and Jamie Schmidt, who came to me a couple of months ago and said, Avery, everybody has noticed that this space is all dudes. And we see the stats that 81% of value being created in this economy is accruing to men and to male artists. We want to help women be a part of this. We're going to launch a project called MyBFF with the ambition of helping onboard women into crypto and Web3. And we're going to have a Zoom webinar where we teach women all about NFTs and help them get their wallets. We're going to have a free NFT and it's going to be amazing. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, of course, I would love to. You know, they had about 50 what they called founding BFFs or women across industries who are interested in this. And we did this Zoom webinar in early Q1. 
We anticipated, I think the goal is to have 500 people join, 5,000 people joined live, women and non-binary individuals who wanted to learn and wanted to get that hands-on. How do you actually do this? And how can we speak about this in a language that I understand instead of crypto bro language? It was really successful training session. They airdropped everyone who attended a friendship bracelet NFT, which was then actually used as a way to give access to this artistic collection that they dropped last week. So my BFF has been something I've been really honored to be a part of. And I think the stat that's most staggering to me is that over 50% of holders of my BFF, that's their first NFT because you can sort of look in analytics and understand what else is in their wallet. It's actually their first NFT. And I'm, I'm really proud of what Britt and Jamie have built in onboarding women in a way that feels natural to them and allows them to be part of this economy. So I think that's an example of a group who's done this really, really well. What's fascinating about them, and I've seen that YouTube video, that YouTube video, the last I saw it was well over 50,000 viewers. So clearly they have tapped into something that's really relevant. And I hope a lot of more women take advantage of that kind of content. So you've talked about how consumers can get into the NFT space. How would you advise small business owners to start thinking about this, even if they're just trying to understand more about what this might mean for their business over time? Yeah, I would first advise small businesses to personally get hands-on. This is what I tell every executive, every friend of mine, every small business, every enterprise CMO that I talk to is in order to really understand and develop a strategy, first you have to get hands-on. So get your wallet set up, get your crypto, get yourself in discords and in Twitter and understand what's happening. And I think really spending the time to shape your own perspective is incredibly important because a small business is going to be looking at this very differently than a large enterprise. But I think as a small business, you actually can move much quicker and navigate this world of Web3 in a really cool way. And being able to operate without a ton of bureaucracies can be a huge advantage. Speed can be that advantage. So I'll give an example of Fly Fish Club, which is a restaurant group. It's sort of part of the Vayner family. The guy who's the founder of it, David Rodelitz, he got very interested in NFTs. He's part of sort of uh, Gary's world. Got very interested in NFTs. He's a restaurateur, spent his life doing it. He decided to actually launch a restaurant that's based on an NFT, which is a membership token to enter that restaurant. So if you're a small business like a restaurant, you could think about something like that. If you're a small business that wants to dabble, I would maybe look into loyalty as an NFT mechanism and finding a way to reward people who already come to your dry cleaner or to your daycare or whatever it is. I think there's a lot that you can do with a a platform which is called POAP, P-O-A-P, that allows small businesses and, and anyone really to launch NFTs for free that can be really interesting and really fun. And I think starting to build those muscles of Web3 is an incredible idea for small businesses. And the second thing I would consider doing is is accepting crypto. You know, I live in Miami and everywhere in Miami seems like all of a sudden they're interested in taking crypto. And I know I've started to see that in New York as well at different cafes and things like that. So I would recommend looking into one, what's happening in Web3, Two, determining how you can develop something that would be interesting to your existing consumers. And three, looking to potentially expand you know, your payment options to take crypto if you want to also start getting in this world. Those are great. And I think you can look at this as a real business builder and think about the ways that you might be able to start getting into this as a business generator for yourself or as a marketing play for your business. So Avery, I'm just curious, what are your goals for Vayner NFT for the next few years? I'd want to say five years, but the space is going to move so fast. So I don't know, maybe one to three years. 
I think our goals are really to help enterprises enter this Web3 world in an authentic way that builds value for their communities and builds value for them. And I think that's going to look different company by company. For a bank, it's going to look one way. For an insurance company, another. For a beer brand, another. So I think that what we are excited about is helping do good work, also building up a team of strategic experts who really understand the history that sort of got us here and also have the foresight to understand what's coming next from an opportunity standpoint. And then third, you know, we want to do work that's really game-changing and interesting and long-term. I think we're at this intersection where we can really do some cool stuff that's really intellectually challenging and stimulating. And I'm just personally really excited for that. So I'm looking forward to, you know, doing great work, building up a team who's really best in class. And, you know, in a couple of years, looking back and saying, wow, we built this just off of the back of what was only an idea. And what would you tell our listeners to go seek out in terms of resources to get smarter on this? I would say check out 1.37 p.m. It's actually a Vayner property and we do a ton of work in terms of educating and sharing news on what's happening in Web3. I would recommend those who are very new, check out that YouTube video from my BFF. I would recommend everyone checks out the VFriends project and joins the VFriends Discord. The team there does a ton of work that's educational, that's community building, that's also just plain fun. Very welcoming community if you want to learn more. And of course, follow along Vayner NFT on places like Twitter and LinkedIn if you want to check out what we're up to. That is super. Thank you for that. And then what message would you last like to leave our listeners with on this whole space? Yeah, I think a lot of times people ask me, is it too late? Did I miss the boat? And I'm, you know, telling everybody that, oh no, the boat has not left the station. You're still early. So I encourage everyone to spend the time to research and to figure out something that sparks their own interest whether that's, you know, getting your first NFT or joining a Discord or listening to some Twitter spaces to learn more about it, you are not too late. You are maybe even too early for how incredibly early we are in the market adoption cycle. So I encourage everybody to jump in. We need more builders in this world of Web3. And the only way we're going to get to mainstream adoption is person by person. So I encourage your listeners to spend the time to educate themselves and jump on in. And we definitely need the women involved. So please do that. Please take that time to educate yourself. Avery, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to hear about your background and your views of the future in the NFT space. And we really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. It's been my pleasure to be here. And I look forward to more amazing episodes of Women on the Move. That was an amazing conversation with Avery. As someone who's been watching this space for some time, I hope that more women become active participants. Make sure you're learning about these innovative areas today so we can all be a part of this exciting future. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.